One more item. Black Pond Press, the publisher of 45 Years of the Rockford Files, Maverick, Legend of the West, Radio Honey, and many other titles, has announced its very first Black Friday, Cyber Monday promotion. Order a copy of any of Black Pond's available titles from Amazon.com or any retailer on Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Send the dated receipt to Black Pond Press and you will receive a bonus gift related to the title that you purchase. If you order a copy of 45 Years of the Rockford Files or Maverick Legend of the West on Black Friday or Cyber Monday, you'll be treated to a PDF copy of an original signed series script. For details and more information, visit the Black Pond press page on Facebook or Instagram. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Hi, this is John Biney. You're listening to TV Confidential. Well, let's hear it for him. Come on, come on out here. You always get to play the black guy. <laughs> run that by me again. <laughs> Just once, I'd like to play the black guy. And Roberts with a reminder that Daphne Maxwell Reed will join us later on in the hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us via Zoom as we begin this hour by playing part two of our conversation with actor, comedian, and motivational speaker Tom Dreesen. Tom Dreesen, longtime opening act for Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr., and a pioneer in comedy, particularly during the six years when Tom and Tim Reed, speaking of Daphne Maxwell Reed, broke barriers in the late 60s and early 1970s when they traveled the country performing together as Tim and Tom, the first and only interracial stand-up comedy team. Tom Dreesen's memoir, Still Standing, includes great stories not only of working with Tim Reed and Frank Sinatra, but of the many comedians that Tom worked with and got to know when he was honing his craft as a solo comedian at the Comedy Store in Los Angeles, including Jay Leno, Freddie Prinze, Robin Williams, and David Letterman. Still Standing by Tom Dreesen, available wherever books are sold through Simon & Schuster, Post Hill Press, and Amazon.com. You can follow Tom Dreesen on Facebook, Twitter, and his website, TomDreesen.com. Tony? Many of the stories that Tom shares in Still Standing circle back to his roots growing up in Harvey, Illinois. With that in mind, Tony? And I think one of the reasons why I love your Harvey stories is it's so much about you and... I know a lot of people that have moved out here to L.A. that do not look back where they came from. Have, you know, it's kind of like that's gone. Never want to return. Never want to, you know, they they want to cut off that part of their life, like their life begins when they move to L.A. And I can't help but think that a lot of your success is, even though you have this rough childhood, you own Harvey. You own what where you came from and who you are. And you talk about Harvey and Chicago with this incredible amount of love. And I think half of the Facebook posts I see of you, you're somewhere in Chicago. You know, you're 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 at Wrigley Fields with the Cubs jacket or something. Do you think I'm correct on that? That the fact that you own everything that's about you, it's you know, you you still come that from that perspective of that kid from Harvey. And you, and you speak it with certain love. And even though you had like the roughest of childhoods, you always go back with a certain level of love and reverence. And I, I have to think that has to contribute to your success as well. 
Well, you know, I've always been of the school that let them let them people see some of your brokenness sometimes. Let them see the cracks in your armor, because that's how the lights get out. You know, um, that your candid camera had a great line. It, it said, "Caught in the act of being yourself." You know, I've oh. always liked that line. Caught in the act of being yourself. New comedians, new performers start out, and they do an impression. Most comedians, when they start out, they're doing an impression of another comedian, and because you know that worked. And so, if you had a favorite comedian, I can watch a new comedian doing an open mic night, and I'll say, "Oh, he likes Jerry Seinfeld, or he might like Jay Leno or David Letterman." You can see who their influence is, and I've never seen one that was doing Tom Dreesen, but. <laughs> so, like, but but no, I'm, I'm being facetious, but my point is that when you're new, you start out doing an impression of another entertainer, but then one night you let a little bit of you out, and if it gets a laugh, you let a little bit more of yeah. you out, and pretty soon you become you on stage, and that's who you are. You know, there's never been anybody like you before on this planet. People are like snowflakes. There's no, no two snowflakes alike, and there's no two human beings on the planet alike. No one's had your same parents and your same child. In so you're unique, and that's what I try to teach young comedians when you go out there. Get caught in the act of being yourself. So strive for that. So that's who I am. I'm from that place, Harvey, Illinois. And I have to tell you something. Many years ago, there was a comedian I adored named Jack Benny. Now, I, as a kid, hearing him on the radio and, and, and then seeing him, I, I just liked his style. I like Jack Benny because he, a person becomes an artist in any endeavor when they make their work look, one word, effortless. Jack Benny made comedy look easy, and it's not. You know, Frank Sinatra made singing look easy. You will be my music. You will be my song. You say, I can do that. No, you can't. He just made it look like you could. So effortless. So I ended up being on a show with Jack Benny when I'd been in the business about six months. A guy named Irv Cupson had put me on a show with Jack Benny, and I got talking to him. And he said to me, Tommy, when you do your first Tonight Show, now at that time I was so far from the Tonight Show, I never th- I didn't think I'd get there. He said, don't walk out in front of 20-something million people and tell them about the government of the airlines. Tell them where you're from. He said, tell them about your childhood. Tell them your first eight minutes is about where you're from, your childhood, your mom and dad, your sisters, or whatever. He said, so when you walk off that stage after eight minutes, they say, wow, wasn't he funny? And you know, he's from Harvey, Illinois. That's a suburb on the south side of Chicago. He had eight brothers and sisters. He went to Catholic school. Whatever, you left part of you out there. So he said, where am I from, Tommy? I said, you're from Waukegan, Mr. Benny. He said, how do you know that? I said, well, I've heard you say that. He said, you're damn right. I'm the only comedian you've ever heard of from Waukegan, Illinois. He said, I could have said Milwaukee, I could have said Chicago, but I said, that's where I was from. He said, and you're the only comedian I ever heard of from Harvey, Illinois. And he said, there are more Harveys out there than there are Chicago's. And so I never forgot that, and he was right. Still standing, available wherever books are sold through Simon & Schuster and Amazon, wherever books are sold online. You can follow Tom Dreesen on Facebook, Twitter, and his website, TomDreesen.com. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. I I love... uh the idea of Jack Benny you talk about he was so effortless I loved listening to his radio show I think I love the radio show more than the TV show and I love the fact that the man could get a laugh with silence and I only knew him and Groucho Marx who was able to pull that off through the radio and because you knew these personas so well I think sometimes you were ahead of the punchline but you no, know, I, I, I love the Jack Benny story just now I mean I'm just kind of blown away from that yeah, his timing was impeccable, and the reason that silence worked, the longest laugh in radio, because they had already established that character, you know, and that's what he called a hook, and he explained it to me, he said that you can't write a hook, it's going to happen or it isn't there, 
you know, Rodney Dangerfield said, I get no respect. He did that one night out of desperation. And late at night, and, and he was finally fed up with this career in show business that wasn't going anywhere. And he said, you know, I just don't get any respect. And he started using that as a hook line, and it, and it worked. Jack Benny's was, they established him as a frugal character, a cheap character, you know, his character on, on the radio show. I'll do this real fast. He told me what happened was, on the radio, he was in a restaurant one time, and they said, uh, they used to put a tin plate for you to put the tip in. And so they said, uh, Mr. Benny, you forgot the tip. And he said, oh, yes. And you heard a nickel drop on the tin plate, and everybody laughed. And that was good for that show. Two shows later, they're doing a scene in a restaurant, and Jack, they had another cheap joke, and this night the audience roared, and all the writers looked at one another and said, uh-oh, we're on to something. And they became, this character became frugal. That's why whenever he wanted money, he had to go down in a safe, down 15 flights of stairs, opening chain, you know, gates and, and chains, and there's an old man down there guarding his money. I mean, all those cheap jokes came from that one joke that happened several shows ago and that was the hook so now in radio when he's walking through an alley and a guy sticks a gun in his back and says your money or your life and there was dead silence on the radio everybody at home was falling off the chair laughing because they knew this was a very difficult decision (laughs) (laughs) and then there's a pause and the guy said i said your money or your life he said i'm thinking i'm thinking you know and it got another it was the longest laugh in radio. Who makes you laugh, Tom? You know, that, that's, that's interesting. I have never met, I sound like Will Rogers, but I've never met a comedian I didn't like. There might be comedians you might not like offstage, but I, before I was ever a stand-up comedian, I loved comedians. I, lo- I, I just loved to watch them. I thought, oh, my God, they, they, what they do is so fascinating. I never thought I'd be a comedian. But uh, so they, I can go to the Laugh Factory. There's a kid named Johnny Sanchez. I could watch him every time he performs. He, he, a Mexican comedian, wonderful comedian. Uh, but there's so many. When I go to the Laugh Factory, there's so many people there that uh, that I'll sit and watch, and they just, you know, Dave Chappelle knocks me out, you know. And 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 what I love about Dave Chappelle is today the politically correct police are trying to destroy stand-up comedy, you know. The, the, this, this new generation of people that are going to tell you what you can say, you know, and, 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 and they sometimes, you know, and I don't know, and, and, and I do a whole bit on that, you know. In fact, if you want me, I'll do, there's a, a rant on video that I say, and I'll tell you what it is right now, and, you, and, and but I, I'm talking to four young comedians, and it's called Tom Dreesen Rants on Political Correctness, but I say, who are these people that keep telling us what we can say? I said, there's a First Amendment in this country, and it came because thousands of men and women died so that we had the First Amendment, you know, the, the, the right to say whatever we want to say. Now, you don't have to listen to us. You can turn us off. You can walk out of the room. But we live in a country where you have the right to say anything you want to say. And I said, and we have these people telling us you can't say it. I said, I, I don't know who, we don't know who they are. We keep apologizing to them. We know who the Democrats are. We know who the Republicans are. We know who the Independents are. We know who the Moose, the Qantas, the Elks, the Knights of Columbus. We know who you are. And, and we know who the Ku Klux Klan is, but we don't know who you are. And we keep apologizing to you. So I want to say this to you. Kiss my black ass. <laughs> now, <laughs> when I say that, everybody goes, ah, uh, you know, I say, is that politically incorrect enough for you? Now, I dare somebody to tell me you can't say that. And I say, why can't I say that? They'll say, because you're not black. I say, well, I might have a black rear end. You don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not only that, if a guy can say he's a girl, well, then he's a girl. And you accept that. 
You know, well, if I can say that. Now, my point of this is somebody says, oh, you can't say that. I say, I dare you to go Dave, tell Dave Chappelle he can't say something. I want to be in that room when you tell my hero Dave Chappelle. Tell him that he can't say that. I want to be there when he tells you what you can do with your politically correctness and where you can put it, you know. Uh, a, a while back, I was explaining that Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin called each other Deg. It was a nickname from Dago. And I said, and they used to call, hey, Deg, hey, Deg. They'd say, hi, Deg. I, and this guy on the radio said to me, oh, they couldn't do that today. I said, what are you talking about? He said, oh, no, they could never get away with that today. I said, I'd love to be in a room, and I hope it would be on the 17th floor of a building. When Frank and Dean are calling each other Deg, and you tell them, you can't say that, because open a window, you're going flying right out that window. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but that's what Lenny Bruce was all about. That's, you know, that, uh, again, this is what this country is about. This is what men and women died for. You can say whatever you want. Now, I, I can disagree with you. I can, I can, you know, walk away from you. I can shut you off. I can say I'm not listening to you. But I can't tell you you can't say that. How long does it take for you to work out, rehearse, test market uh, new material before you feel confident performing it as part of your act? Each bit is different. So I, I've written jokes that work that first night and have worked ever since in, in, in all the years in comedy. And I've written other jokes that didn't work, and, and I knew it was funny, but I, I, I listened to the tapes and say, you know, maybe I should change this word to that. Maybe I should edit that word out. Sometimes it was at the beginning of the show and it didn't work, but it worked better at the other end of the show. So it's placement. It's editing. It's placement. And at some point you'll abandon it. You'll say it doesn't work. You know, but each each joke you write is different. I've written thousands of jokes, but and and some have have scored heavily, and some have failed. Some have scored for that time that wouldn't be as relevant today, you know. And some have, have stood the test of time. There's a specific joke I do that it gets a laugh almost every time I do. I'll tell you real quick, and it's something I wrote years ago. But I I said I went to a school reunion, and I one of my teachers came up to me. And he said, you don't remember me, but I said, yes, I do. Your name is Richard Bruno, and you teach algebra. He said, that's amazing. I said, listen to this. X to the fifth power times X to the fifth power is X to the tenth power, because in algebra, you don't multiply exponents, you add them. He said, that's incredible. I said, you know what else is incredible? That's the first time I've ever been able to use that since you taught it. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that joke years ago. I've done it on The Tonight Show, I've done it on David Letterman, I've done it on a lot of shows, and I, I'll do it in my nightclub act, and it always scores. And to be honest with you, if ever I'm in a crowd and, and, and it's not going well and I go to that joke and it doesn't score, then I know it's not me, it's you, audience. That joke <laughs> what do you think of the technological evolution of stand-up comedy? I, I, I mean, all of a sudden now there's YouTube, and I guess also the many, many more outlets on uh, cable television for comedians and uh, a joke that you tell on stage could be all over the country instantaneously how how does that change things and what do you feel about it well From in my day it was it was quite simple there was a path to stardom as a stand-up comedian get to the tonight show if you could get there one appearance on that show as i say freddie prince got a sitcom the next day i got signed to a cbs development deal one appearance that was the path today that isn't the path it's social media but never put something out there. There's things out there that I wish weren't out there about me from long ago when I wasn't, I felt I wasn't that, that polished. You know, make sure it's always in front of a live audience and in front of a hot audience, you know, one that scores. So the social media is the way today. 
You know, Dane Cook, interesting guy, Dane Cook, when MySpace first came out, he ended up getting millions of viewers, and he would put funny stuff on there. He started selling out 15,000-seat arenas all around the country using the social media, and, and that's where it's at. The, but you can only put out finished product out there in front of a live audience that you score on. To try to do virtual comedy is almost impossible because you can't hear the laughter. See, when you dissect comedy, it gets boring, but... Let me explain it kind of this way. This is what, what time I can I can teach young comedians a lot of things, and I give classes sometimes um, called the joy of stand up comedy and how to get there. It's mostly motivational because I'm a motivational speaker as well as a stand up comedian. I talk on four subjects: perception, visualization, self talk, and develop a sense of humor. But I can teach you a lot of things as a comedian. I can't teach you timing. You either have it or you don't. And basically, what timing is about is that. Uh, if I try to explain it, pretend there's a big pond of water in front of you and you throw a rock as high in the air as you can and then it comes down and it lands in the pond and, and it splashes and then it ripples all the way across the pond. If that's laughter, when that rock is on its way up like laughter, you never move on your next line on its way up. You move on its way down. Now some nights when I'm out there and, and I move the rock just starts to come down. That's when I move. Some nights I let it come halfway down. Some nights I let it hit the pond. And some nights I hit, let it hit the pond and ripple all the way across the pond. And then I move on my next line. I can't tell you before I walk out there what I'm going to do because I don't know how the audience is going to react to me. So if I did 30 minutes at the Laugh Factory tonight and did that same exact 30 minutes opening for Sinatra in front of 20,000 people, that same material takes on a totally different dynamic. Because the audience's response, we move off of their laughter. So, like I say, some nights I let that laughter roll all the way across the arena, and then there's almost silence when I move on the next line. And some nights I'd, I'd move quicker. The audience sets that in me. It, it's an instinct you have as a comedian. And, and so many things have to be in place. You hope that it's a low ceiling because laughter is sound. It hits the ceiling and comes back at you. You know, if, if it's a high seating, I hated to work Caesar's Palace, and I worked there many times, but it has a real high seating. I love the Riviera, the Sands, the, the Desert Inn, the Golden Nugget. Uh, they, they, those are great comedy rooms because they had low ceilings, you know, intimacy. Um, there's a lot of more, there's more technical things to a stand-up performance being a hit and not being hit. There's things that have to be in place. Here's the real problem right now, folks. And because of the COVID thing, if they found a vaccine tomorrow, People have become OCD all around the world. You're not going to want to sit next to strangers in the future like you did in the past. We need an audience with shoulder to shoulder. I need you all filled in front there for my magic to work as a juggler, a singer, or a comedian. I'm energy. I go out through that audience, and it comes all the way back up to me. Out through that audience and back up to me. It's like an electrical current. If you put five people to the left, six in the back and four to the right, you just took a scissors and cut that current that we need to make it work to keep the energy going. On Broadway, actors, they need that audience shoulder to shoulder for two reasons. One, because their, their, their acting skills and their energy works through that crowd and back up to them. But they also need them shoulder to shoulder because they need to pay the rent. You can't half-filled have half -filled theaters and survive. And so I don't know that stand-up comedy, or, or it's going to take a, a, a few more years before people ever feel comfortable in a room together, shoulder to shoulder. Still Standing by Tom Dreesen, available in paperback and as an ebook through Post Hill Press, Simon & Schuster, and Amazon.com. Tony and Donna, only got about a minute left. Do you have any final questions for Tom? Thanks. <laughs> it's always wonderful to talk to you, Tom. 
Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Donna. And, and is the rumor true that Donna is a lot prettier than both you and Frank? Is that true? <laughs> yes. <Wow. laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'll I leave you with this. That, that, that I, as I told you, I give motivation speeches all the time. When I was in the service, I started reading every book on positive mental attitude that I could find. You know, and I, from The Power of Positive Thinking, Norman Vincent Peale, and all these other books. And I used to wonder what this yin and yang was. I kept reading about yin and yang, yin and yang. What is yin and yang? And, and the, I, I started to realize what it is, that we are two parts. We're ego and we're spirit. We weren't born ego. We were born pure spirit. When you were born, you didn't know if you were boy or girl, black or white, Jew or Gentile. You just were a spirit, and you loved everything that loved you, and you gravitated to the love around you. About the time you're three or four years old, well-intentioned adults, parents, sometimes misinformed, start programming your computer. Little boys do this, little girls do this, we Catholics do this, we Jews do this, whatever. You start forming an image of yourself based upon their information. Thus, the ego is formed. And the rest of your life, your yin and yang is your ego and your spirit. Your ego and your spirit. You know, now, your ego demands that you, you walk down the street and get mobbed. Your ego can never get enough fame, fortune, money, power. It can never get enough. It has an insatiable appetite. Your spirit, conversely, is like the song of the 70s, All I Need is the Air That I Breathe and to Love You, a song by the Hollies. So that's what your spirit is. So you're driving down the street, you slam on your brakes, some guy pulls in front of you, you start cursing at him, you rotten. You know, that's your ego. Your ego says, I own this street, how dare you? But your spirit says, oh, am I glad no one got hurt. Go ahead, pal. Are you okay? Everybody okay? Oh, good. That's what you want to bring to the surface all the time as much as possible, that spirit in you, because that's who you really are. You know, the ego is going to be with us, of course, but we have to keep it in check, you know, because the spirit is who, who you were born to be, and that's who you really are. Still Standing by Tom Dreesen, available wherever books are sold through Simon & Schuster, Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. You can follow Tom Dreesen, Facebook, Twitter, and his website, TomDreesen.com. Tom, thank you, thank you so much. It is always a joy to talk to you. I look forward to our next conversation. Hey, it's so great to talk to you, and I hope we do this again sometime soon. Daphne Maxwell-Reed will join us when we get back on TV Confidential. Buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life, but it doesn't have to be. And no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group. Their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 415-886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontporchrealtygroup.com, for more information on the services they provide, including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com. Front Porch Realty Group. They'll find the solution that works best for you. One more item. Here's something a lot of us have in common. Broken appliances. Broken air conditioner. Broken down heating system. Broken down washer dryer. Broken down refrigerator. And if you're a homeowner, you know just how expensive it is to get one of those things fixed, let alone what happens if 
More than one appliance breaks down at the same time. Well, if you're a homeowner, you can get all of your appliances on a warranty plan that guarantees protection for all of your home appliances in case they break down. And best of all, it will only cost you about a dollar a day. Call the Home Service Club at 800-264-3168, 800-264-3168. The call is free, and if you're one of the first 25 callers, your first month membership in the Home Service Club will also be free. Home Service Club, warranty plan, Guarantees protection for all of your appliances for less than a dollar a day. 800-264-3168. 800-264-3168. Miss the show? We have more than 500 hours of archived editions of TV Confidential available on demand as digital downloads. For more information, go to shop.tvconfidential.com. Net. This portion of TV Confidential is sponsored by The Misadventures of Biffle and Schuster, the hilarious site-splitting new DVD available through Kino Lorber. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.